for our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Doyle Carter entitled, As You See the Day Approaching. Mr. Carter. He was thinking exactly what I was thinking when they dismissed Sabbath school. Bam! Half the, half the group is gone. And did you also know something special about the day? Eh, maybe a little less than what we say, but it's like 30 days before the Feast of Trumpets. And I didn't expect that. So as the day, we, and as we approach the spring holy day, or the fall holy days, it gives us an opportunity to think about the future, the day of the Lord, you know, the kingdom of God. I mean, we always think about it, but that's what the focus point of the holy days are in this fall. And what in our human, and we get a chance to ponder our human experience. So we have to go through the adventures, the challenges, and challenges. I can honestly say this week was challenges for me, <laughs> but I thought everybody has their challenges. I'm going to kind of today, kind of Brian. Had, I'll say Brian. Yeah, Brian got me into audiobooks in a way. It took me a year to get it through my thick head to start listening to them. But it doesn't matter. I've, I've been starting to listen to them, and I found one that was very interesting. It kind of relates to something we're talking about today, or the topic. It was called The Endurance. I don't remember the full title or who wrote exactly, but I was listening to it. And I know for part of it, it was endurance just to listen to it, because it kept on going through every little detail. I didn't. They were like stuck on an iceberg, and he get, for like two, two hours, he was on what they did for two hours. I'm like, Okay, I get it. They had a base camp. They did all the stuff. They did laundry. I get it. You don't have to keep on beating me with it. But they did experience a lot of, a lot of hardship because their first, it was the endurance sailed out of, I think it was England. Some, it was England in 1914. And it went out with the idea, idea of finding a passage through the Arctic because Arctic, it was an Arctic expedition. And of course, now looking at satellites, I think that's kind of silly. It's all ice. But anyway, they were hoping to find that. And instead, they got trapped in the ice, stayed on the ice for a little bit, for about a month or two, and then the ice finally just crushed their boat. Or their, and then they had to survive from that point forward on the ice. They had near starvation a couple of times. They lost, unfortunately, one man trying to escape the berg. And then I think they lost another man somewhere else. But most of them survived, which the pastor who was aboard the ship actually said it was an act of God that they even found civilization, because that was their next stage. Once they, their first initial mission was pretty much destroyed by the fact that the iceberg crushed their main boat, the Endurance, it was now get back to civilization. And they had a lot of challenges, life and death. And it almost relates to us today in our Christian life. You know, when we try to obey God and do what God tells us to do. It's almost like a life and death situation. Also, because it hurts our character. It may not be physical, but it is like when, for example, I know many years ago when I tried to obey God with the Feast of Tabernacles, I was actually, no, I actually did lose my job that moment. They actually told me if I was to go to, to uh, Lake Texoma and miss, that, miss the Holy Day, or, you know, if I would go to Lake Texoma and keep the Holy Days, they would fire me. I talked to my pastor at the time. I don't remember if it was who it was exactly. It may have been, may have been uh, Lawrence. I can't remember. And I, and, I, and I think we both agreed I should go because God says so. And I agreed with that. I got a call on the first day of, first day of the Feast of Tabernacles saying, you have been terminated, bring your clothing in. 
But then God came to my defense and got me a job a month later that was much better than what I had. Much better. Enjoyed it. And this, and it's just, it's like that in life. We have our challenges. We have our adventures. You know, the adventures would be like, you know, with your kids, your family. Challenges would be the hardship we have to go through. And we know in 1 Peter 4, not 6, Brian, but 4, <laughs> little mistake I made. In 1 Peter 4, 17 through 19. It says, for the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will, it be the, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous, righteous ones are scarcely saved, where will the unrighteous and sinners appear? And then he encourages us by saying, therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in, do, in doing good as to a faithful creator. And we know there's a lot of factors that affect us. Like I was telling you this week, this week was, had nothing to do with my bosses. It had to do with everything else around us that caused us all cra crazy and chaos. It was the world. And Jesus does inform us that we will not have paradise on this planet. He says in John 16.3, in John 16, 3, Jesus' own words, and we read this all the time at Passover, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So part of our conflicts is the world. And, it, and I even, even as I said it before church to somebody, sometimes it's just a, it's happenstance. It just happens. You know, things go wrong. It's the way it goes. And then we have other factors that get involved. We have Satan. Sometimes Satan decides he wants to get involved in our little trials. We hear in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, and, um, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he will devour. I mean, we don't blame all our troubles on Satan, but we know he's a factor in it, and he does interfere, and he does make our lives harder. Because as even it says, and I, this is only for reference for those who notes. I'll slow down. I just caught myself. In Ephesians 6, 6, 11 through 13, I'm not going to read the entire verse, but for those who take a note, it, it speaks of the fact that to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers and so forth. So sometimes our battles are not always with people, and it's with other sources. And of course, of course, sometimes we, as I said to various individuals this morning when I was just kind of thinking about the topic, we are our own worst enemies at times, too. We don't do ourselves any, any favors. Sometimes we kind of blunder our own little world and cause our own problems. So it, it's a mix of a lot of it. But we are still, despite all the challenges, whether it's Satan, the world, us, who knows what, we are to endure to the end. We are to endure. We are to continue. We're not to stop. Jesus says this when he's on the Mount of Olives. He says in Matthew 24, 12 through 13, we all know this scripture, Matthew 24, 12 through 13. And he, and he says, and because lawlessness will abound, 
the love of many will wax cold. And that's very true in our society because unfortunately lawlessness causes that effect. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So we are expected to endure. Because that's because just to blow the ending of the book, they had the people in endurance when they went through their their trials, and I don't even know how they went through it. I mean, one individual who was a stowaway because he just wanted to be a part of the crew but wasn't allowed, actually at the end had frostbite on his feet so bad that he actually couldn't walk. We'll just put it that way. I'm going to be nice. It's just basically, he couldn't walk anymore. He, it's the cost of the trip. He survived, though. He survived and could write the stories he did. He endured. Now, Paul presents us some, an action plan, so to speak. I couldn't think of a better way to say it. An action plan, in a way, there's many ways we can endure, but I'm going to focus on a certain set of scriptures, which I think help us a lot. And Paul wrote to the Hebrews on it, and it's in Hebrews 10, 22 through 25. Paul writes to them, he says in Hebrews 10, 22 through 25. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from, or sprinkled from, from a evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our faith without wavering. For he who promise, promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another as much as, as much the more as you see the day approaching. So again, to dissect this down just a little bit, to break it down, the first point I see in here is that he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We're the draw near to God. We'll draw near to God. And how do we do this? Well, let's reverse order a little bit. Let's go into uh, James 4, if you're keeping notes, James 4, 7 through 8. James 4, 7 through 8. It says, therefore submit to God. So we're to submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Of course, with God behind you, I would not surprise you'd flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your heart, you double-minded. So we are to draw near to God. We, cle we, cleanse, we, cl we are to cl basically live a righteous life, to go ahead and abandon sin and as much as we can, we are to also do to basically pray, Bible study, meditation. Basically, we're to build a relationship with God. I say that because that's what's, it's something I thought of this morning. It's like my dad, my, my, let's go to my physical dad. How do I have a relationship with my dad? Well, he comes to visit me. 
I talk to him on the phone. I love my phone. love modern technology. You can talk to him any moment. Right now, he's in France. He keeps me up with what's going He keeps me and other people up with what he's doing. Actually, he's in Switzerland. I'm sorry, Chantel. I told you he was in Switzerland for about 36 hours. But we are to build a relationship. Submit to God. Let him cleanse our lives. We obey him. Do what he tells us to do. And we draw near to him. And the only reason I say devil because he's not as powerful as God. So if we resist the devil, we have God on our side. Who can go against us? The second point I got is let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he whose promise is faithful. So we to have absolute faith in what God says. He is God. He can override anything he needs. He can work with us. We're to have absolute faith and hope. In Hebrews 4, 14 through 15, again, Paul wrote to the Hebrews in Hebrews 4, 14 through 15, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. And as I read in, in also in John 16, I noticed how it was funny, kind of real back, that he had overcome the world. We can have great faith in that, that through Jesus Christ as our high priest, if we hold fast to what we believe and hold fast to it, because like Steve's past sermons and others, like Matt and Steve, the world is against us, unfortunately, and it's a situation where it's just getting worse and worse, and we have, to be, we have to watch what we think, what we do. I mean, you can't get away from it almost because of TV, or in my case, I like my podcast, and little things like that. But we've got to watch and hold fast. Third, we are to encourage one another, as it says in verse 24. And let us consider, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I'm going to go back to the story that I was actually telling you about, about the endurance. There was, some, there was, some, there was about 28 to 30 people involved. And when, when they, got, they got, you know, kind of stuck in the ice at first, they didn't overreact, they didn't backbite each other, they didn't attack each other, they just tried to work together to ship chipped the ice. Didn't quite work, because eventually they started hearing the boat crackle funny, and they realized the ice was starting to do, crush it. Once it was crushed, they realized they had to work together since they were on the ice. They had one person that was kind of lazy. That's why I kind of go, eh. They had one guy who wasn't very uh, cooperative, and they had to go after him a bunch. <laughs> and, you know, it was funny, but they, they still accept him as a group. But he didn't do as much. He always tried to shirk out of his job. And they worked together to take care of the food, shelter, and everything else. They didn't, they didn't divide. And, we're on, and, and they lived through that horrible experience. And if we work together to encourage one another, to encourage one another when things go wrong, I mean, we may not be able to, sometimes our encouragement may be a little weak, but we're still behind each other and we're still helping each other. And it gives a little bit of confidence that when you're a little weak and somebody comes up and says, hey, it's okay, we can make it happen. You know, I can I at least can pray for you, anything. 
Because we see in Hebrews 3, 13 through 14, we see that Paul also said, but exalt one another daily while it is today, lest any of you be hardened through the deception of sin. For we have become partaker, partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Just throw a little bit of a negative. Here's what we're not supposed to do as a group. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Here's what we're not supposed to be doing. I just had to throw this in because we don't, I don't think we have a problem with it, but I've seen churches where they divide off over whether the color of the carpet. I mean, good gravy. Who cares about the color of the carpet? It's not that big a deal. You know, but they fight over it to that point. It says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you without, with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgives us. We're to, I mean, conflicts is a natural thing. I can even tell you this week, under the stress of work, I lost it temporarily in front of the boss. And she didn't take it personal, thank goodness, because she lost it too a couple of times. But we, we snap. But that's, that's different. You know, we didn't, it, it was forgotten and was over with. You know, we didn't, we didn't backbite each other, thank goodness. We, but we made it. Well, we worked together. It happens, but it shouldn't happen all the time. The one I kind of want to focus on a little bit more would be this one. It says, the fourth point I got out of this is, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exalting one another. Now, God has appointed days for us to meet. Like Reggie said, thank God for Sabbaths. God, I needed it this week. I slept 10 hours last night. I needed it. (laughs) I felt much better. But Sabbaths are an opportunity for us to get together. And I, I know sometimes health gets in the way or you travel or family. But overall, you should try to be here. We've got holy days. Like I said, we've got the Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement coming around. Even though we're always not, not always perfectly thrilled about the Day of Atonement itself. But afterwards, I'm more thrilled because it's the Feast of Tabernacles four days later. But we have these opportunities. And we even have an opportunity tonight to be with, other, with each other because I've heard that we're having some kind of activity at the church after the kids are doing their thing. So every opportunity we can get together, it encourages us. It builds us up as a family. Because, you know, like, I've got the time. I'm going to read it. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. I believe it's taught more about marriage in some ways, but it can be applied to, I believe it can be applied to individuals themselves. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep, they keep warm. But when one, when, how can one be warm? Let me restart that one. But how can one be warm alone? Therefore, one may be overpowered by another. Two can withstand him. 
and three, th okay, and threefold cord is not quickly broken. And just like the endurance, those 28 people, they stuck together. And despite what hit them, I mean, one time they had a, they were in camp, just to give you a little story, I thought it was interesting. They had a warse, not a warse, it was a sea lion, I think it was some kind of huge animal like a sea lion, come up and attack their camp. And they, as a group, they were able to subdue the animal, plus they had free food on top of that. But, but I mean, they, they worked together to take it. As they said, it was like a 10-foot animal. It's like, wow, can't imagine that. And they endured. And on a personal note, I told my, uh, my new mom, but I was going to tell the story, and I let, got permission, that when I, was in, when I was in college, my parents got a divorce. You say, just on a personal note, got a divorce. So I kind of felt like an orphan at about 19. And then I attended Tom's, I think it was Tom's church. Now I'm starting to remember the story. Figures, I get nervous and I remember. Tom, I was at Tom's church. I think I was here too. I think somebody in particular. I, I made a comment to him that I kind of, I'm alone. I don't have a family. I don't know where my mom's at. My dad doesn't really talk to me as much because he's working a lot. And she pulled me over and said, you're not alone. You're part of a big family. You just don't know it, apparently. The older people think of you as like their grandson. The younger people, like the equals to you, consider you brother and sister. And my kids think of you as like a fantastic uncle or a, well, I'd say uncle now because I'm old, like a brother. And they said, you have people here. You're not alone. You have people here, despite whether you have a blood family or not. And that's encouraging to somebody who may come in the church who may not know anyone, you know, and say, and may have had a hard life and be, think they're alone. They're not. Once they become a part of this family, they're a part of God's family. They're a part of us. And that's why we get together. It's encouraging to get together. It's very important. And I thought I'd tell about the endurance because, you know, it just, it was a very interesting tale that what they had to go through. And it, you can almost, if you ever want to check into it, just don't get the audio version, read the book. The guy, I'm serious. I, like eight hours in at the 10-hour book, he could have shut down a little bit. He could have, because he got into all these details. One minute it's like, one minute he said, and they were going to do this, and then bad happened. And I'm like, he did this like 15 times. I'm like, geez, just get them where they're going. Ah. Sounds like some, sometimes it sounds like life. So in summary of what I was trying to say today, like, like many real-life stories of survival or just general life, like the Arctic experience I'm talking about, we are trying to endure this life with its, with its many challenges, which could be bad or good, adventures, whether it's your children, you have a great time, and many of these challenges can threaten, threaten to derail our Christian walk. You know, and the world does try to do it. With world events, Satan, sometimes we don't do us, ourselves any favors. Maybe you do, but I don't always do myself any favors. But Paul in Hebrews 10, 22 through 25, 10, verse 22 through 25, gives us at least a formula, and there's probably other places you can find the formula, but I'm just going to focus on this one. It says, first we are to, so the formula is, first we are draw near to God through prayer, Bible study, fasting, and so forth, to have him guide us and be with us in our lives. With God, nothing can go against us anyway. 
We, we are to hold fast our profession of our hope through Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest and author of our salvation. Third, we are to encourage one another, our, we are to encourage one another on a regular basis, for, for we know that the world is against us and works against us, sometimes it's us, and we need the encouragement, like if we fall, like we read in Ecclesiastes, sometimes if we fall, somebody helps us pick us up. Or sometimes if something good happens, like we got a marriage coming in soon in the church. Now, not this church, but anyway, we got someone getting married, and we celebrate with them. We encourage them. Fourth, we are to assemble on a regular basis, whatever that may mean, but the Sabbath, the holy days, maybe if we get together on weekends, like for activities. So in summary, thus, as we see the day approaching, the day of the Lord, the beginning of the kingdom of God, Feast of Trumpets, which I'm excited about, May we draw near to God in prayer, Bible study, and meditation. Hold fast to our profession of our faith as God has shown us in his word. That, that we may encourage one another daily as we, do, as we walk in this life. And that we assemble in, on the commanded days and other days. That so we can be strong Christians and as the day approaches, we will be ready.